You're listening to The Jill Monaco Show, episode number 35. Welcome to The Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill. Each week, I hope to bring you a message that inspires, encourages, or challenges you to go after and live a life you love. Join me and my friends as we explore what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Here we go. Welcome to The Jill Monica Show. I'm your host, Jill. I hope you've enjoyed the past few weeks as I taught a series on overcoming. I shared on overcoming rejection, jealousy, self-doubt, and fear. If you missed those, be sure to double back and catch those. They're only about 10 minutes long, and I hope they really encourage you. Now, you know I like to mix it up a bit with some of my teaching and guest interviews. So what's next, you ask? Well, I'm chatting with some of my favorite female speakers. I am so blessed to have them in my life as friends, too. Most are also authors. Many have their own podcasts and full-out ministries, too. One even has a TV show. You are in for such a treat. These powerful women are each bringing you a very strong message. I've asked them to bring you a word that God has put on their heart for this season. I know you're going to be inspired as you hear from the heart of Father God through them. I have about eight speakers lined up right now, and that's really the longest series I've done. So be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single episode. And if you like them, would you do me a favor? Please leave a review because that really helps others find the show too. I invited Mary DeMuth to join us today to talk about something that has been an area of, I guess I'll say, education for me over the last few years. That is identifying and healing from toxic relationships. Mary is an international speaker, an author, and podcaster who lives with her husband of 28 years in Texas, and she's also the mom of three adult children. I first heard Mary speak at the Declare Conference for Bloggers, where we were both keynote speakers. Now, it was my first time presenting as a keynote, and she was a seasoned pro. Um, I was captivated by her down-to-earth and really gracious spirit. Even as she talked from an expert point of view about challenging subjects, she shared from a place of humility, and she shared what it was like to be in process as well. Mary is also a novelist and a nonfiction author, get this, of 36 books, including the latest Seven Deadly Friendships. So, have you ever had a toxic friendship? Or, let's be honest, have you ever been that toxic friend? Unfortunately, I can say yes to both of those questions. Today, Mary is going to help us identify what is wrong in some of our friendships, help us face the reality of a broken friendship, and maybe discover why you attract toxic people and figure out when it's time to just let go and learn how to handle a friendship breakup and heal with the pain that comes from that. Now, I know that you'll be blessed by her wisdom, so let's get started. Mary, welcome to my show. It is so great to be a part of. Thank you so much. I'm curious, um, always, I'm always curious how people come up with book ideas. So tell us how you decided to write this book about difficult relationships. Well, I wish I could say that I was just this person looking from afar at all the people out in the world with those difficult relationships. But the truth is, I have had a few and um, I didn't realize that I kept pursuing people that were bad for me. 
And it kind of resulted from my upbringing. So I was raised in a place where I was around a narcissist and a predator. Hmm. And I did, I I didn't know I was doing this is super subconscious, but in my adult life, I was pursuing narcissistic people and predatory people hoping to complete an incomplete story. And the incomplete story was if someone that was like that could love me, then it would prove that I was lovable back then to my family of origin. And so I was constantly chasing these people that could never really fulfill that desire because if you are a predator, you don't really have enough capacity for anything else. And same with narcissistic folks. And so I was constantly getting hurt. And finally, I realized that Jesus needed to complete that story for me. And once he did, I began to see and have better discernment about these people that I was pursuing. And the other reason I wrote the book was, you know, I... Um, I've had these friendship breakups. And as I went to the Christian bookstore to try to find something about it, there was just nothing. And there was all sorts of like divorce recovery books, which is super important, but there were no like friendship breakup recovery books. And so that's the why I realized I had my own problem. I was chasing after people that were not good for me. And then second, I just couldn't find a book that helped me navigate broken relationships. So what was your like aha moment that you realized that you were chasing these toxic relationships? I wish I could say it was like this one moment, but it was a gradual understanding over unfolding over a couple of years where I kept having to ask myself the question, why again did I pursue a person just like that parent? (laughs) Mm. Why did I not see it? And why am I like inexplicably drawn to them? And I think it's just Finally, I, over the course of having other good friendships and a good husband who helped me to see it, I really couldn't find it on my own. I really had to have other good relationships around me to help me figure that out. But it sounds like you started doing self-reflection and then questions um, to, in order to even ask the right questions. You have to, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't know the right question to ask whether than, other than, why is this a pattern in my life? Is that right? Exactly. And I think that's part of the great part of spiritual growth really comes from self-awareness. And uh, so many of us would rather just not have to think about things or patterns in our lives. And yet, if we want to grow, we have to be willing to be sifted. We have to be willing to look at ourselves. And we have to have positive relationships who are willing to help us grow like iron sharpening iron. Yeah. You know, you mentioned um, friendship divorce, or there were divorce books, but not really about friendship. And so maybe I put those two words together. But um, there is such a thing like that. A broken relationship can feel as painful as a divorce. Yes, because there's that same relational hangover that happens after the breakup, because you you've have all this shared history that now is suddenly severed. And you have this person out there in the world who's most likely mad at you and has all your secrets inside their head. (laughs) And you're kind of wondering like, okay, now what? Not only am I a little bit afraid of what they may say, but mostly it's just this grief that comes of all this shared life and someone who is supposed to be for you is now against you. And I just don't think we grieve well as a church. We need to grieve that and grieve it well and move on. But we kind of just either 
we either say make these declarative statements like, "Well, I'm just never going to be friends with Christians again because they're dumb," <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. or and we just or we just shove it down and we just pretend it didn't hurt, or we work through it and work through the grief and move on and learn from it. And that's kind of my heart and the hope that I have at the end of this book. It's not just helping you identify the seven deadly friendships, but it leaves you with some life-giving practices to help you navigate your new life. And I also look at the life of Joseph and Jesus, Joseph of Genesis fame, and Mm -hmm. uh, how they encountered the seven deadly friendships and how they walked through it and um, came out on the other side. That's so powerful. You know, a few years ago, I went through a friendship divorce, and it really was one of the most painful things I'd ever gone through. Like you said, it's the person who knows all those secrets about you, which means they know not only the good things, but they know the bad things about you because you're, you know, that's what you do in friendships, especially deep ones. Um, And I really didn't find anyone really understood that. A lot of people were like, well, you know, just move on. And it's not that easy. (laughs) No, as a matter of fact, I've, I've walked through a really painful one this year and I can't seem to get over it and it, Mm -hmm. I'm taking steps toward it and working through it and talking with good friends about it and all of that. But it's like a weird haunting of something that Mm -hmm. I cannot seem to, the sadness of it is great. And I think that's, you know, part of it though, is to give yourself a little bit of grace and credit. If you grieved well, and if it really hurt to break up with that friend, that meant that you were all in. And so for that period of time, you were, you were in there, you were in the messiness of relationship. You loved someone well, just as if when someone dies and you grieve that and you think, well, we had a great relationship and now I'm grieving it. It's the same with a friendship breakup. Yeah. I think you mentioned grief. And I think that is an important step um, that maybe the church isn't as good talking about when it comes to this subject. Um, if when someone dies or someone's going through divorce, I think, you know, we've learned to say, well, they're in their grieving stage. But, yeah, with broken friendships, that's grief is an important step or we miss a lot in our healing process if we don't allow ourselves to go through that step. It's true. And we're just uncomfortable with it. We would rather say the platitudes that you've heard and we've all heard, just get over that. Or that was in the past. I've heard people say insensitive things to me like that about sexual abuse. Like, well, okay, (laughs) that's not a very nice thing to say because it's not as simple as just getting over it. Plus, we have to factor in the fact that especially if you are part of a deadly friendship where maybe you were really good friends with a predator well, then there's trauma involved. And when there's trauma involved, there's going to be an extra measure of healing that has to come that is not as simple as just deciding to be done with it. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've noticed, and not just for my own life, but in some of my friends, is that this whole, you know, new term that's come up, ghosting, has happened. And I've noticed that when you know, people ghost or unfriend you on Facebook and you don't know why it's so painful because your mind goes into all these like what happened or and um, I did some research on it and found that that sort of thing when you lose a friendship and you don't really know why or you can't have closure about it. It's as bad as someone abusing you. It's that same kind of pain. It is. And they also, like, if you look at the literature about family of origin studies, they talk about how neglect is just as bad or worse as physical abuse because it's such a, 
it's such a dismissal of humanity. It's like, you don't even matter enough for me to notice you. And in the, in ghosting, it's the same idea where suddenly the person that you thought was your friend doesn't even talk to you face to face and say, Hey, I'm really upset about this, or I've hurt, you've hurt me. And now this is why I'm doing this. There's none of that. And so I think part of this problem is our digital age. And a part of why we're having a lot of friendship breakups and ghosting in this sense is that we don't have enough guts to talk to each other face to face. And that really addresses Matthew 18, right? In resolving conflict. Yes. And I I had an issue with a friend a while back. And um, the first thing I said, it was started, uh, we started having an argument on, um, on email and I was like, Nope, we're not going to do that. So I said, Mm. Hey, let's get on the phone. It was someone far away. I said, let's get on the phone and let's talk about that. And I would just, you know, cause we need to hear each other's voices. We're going to misunderstand each other. Right. And the, the person receiving the email said, no, I refuse. So it's like, well, what can you do at that point? Yeah. If, if there is no, and that, I think that's such a, an indication of what's going on in our world today. We just want to, sadly, we just want to have a megaphone and we want to say our opinions and yell them at each other without realizing that there are human beings on the other end of that yelling. And even this happens in the ending of friendships where we'll just, okay, that's the end of that. And we'll walk away without any sort of explanation, which is really debilitating, I think, for the other person. Yeah. Where do you think the church has a responsibility to help or do you think they don't? Like, I mean, the second step in Matthew 18 is bring somebody with you. Right. I think when we have really great, you know, Acts chapter two type communities and small groups, I think those places are where we actually do our life. And so in those spaces, we can model what it looks like to have those kinds of conversations. The problem is, I think sometimes people have are so busy that they will just go to a service on Sunday and that's the only Mm -hmm. time that they're interacting with people and they're not messied into each other's lives, and they don't see this happening in a healthy way. And so it's easier just to go someone than to really work through it, because we're just not spending time in in positive, good community. Yeah. I think I I heard you say on another podcast that for you, there was somebody in your church. So how do you navigate that when you do see them? Yeah, thankfully I've got a, a huge church. It's like fifteen thousand of my closest friends. Okay, so, <laughs> it's a little bit easier for me. But yeah. um, actually, this happened in a smaller church as well. I've, we've moved a few times in our lives, and um, awkward. I mean, really, it's just super awkward. And and you know, I don't really have a good explanation of what to do. Inevitably, usually someone ends up leaving that church because it is so awkward. And especially if you've tried really hard for reconciliation and gone through all the Matthew 18 steps and all of that, and it still isn't resolved, usually what happens is someone will, will blink and walk away. But um, yeah, it makes, plus then there's the whole idea of wanting unity in the body of Christ. And so it may behoove you to walk away for the sake of that unity as well. Yeah. Well, so much wisdom, and I know there's more in the book, but let's um, let's kind of identify you, the seven deadly friendships so that readers can, or listeners and readers can kind of get an idea. And you got these seven um, names, really, from Scripture. Can you tell us more about that? 
Yeah, so I equate them with the seven deadly sins found in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, and it says simply this, there are six things the Lord hates, no seven things he detests, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. And so many times I thought, you know, these are just like sins out there in the world, but I forgot that these are actually all relational sins. Mm. You don't lie to nobody, you know, you don't have haughty eyes all alone in a room. You, when you're killing the innocent, there is a victim there. Um, If you're plotting evil, most likely there's someone that's receiving that evil and um, false witnesses there's other people around. So um, the seven deadly friendships relate directly to that list in that exact order. And I just give God the credit for giving me that idea of equating them. So the seven deadly friendships are in that order. So the first one is Narcissist Nolan. The next one is Unreliable Uma, then Predator Page, Con Man Connor, Tempter Trevor, Faker Fiona, and Dramatic Drake. And now first I'll just say that... um, if your name is one of these, please forgive me. <laughs> I don't mean that you're that way. And right. second, um, yeah, that these are these can be men or women, and so it's not uh, just if it says narcissist Nolan, it, it could be narcissist Nora as well. So, right. Yeah. Well, can you help us understand a little? I want to kind of go through each one of them briefly, so people have an idea, and and maybe they can see maybe someone in their life, or maybe they can unfortunately see themselves. So let's start with Narcissist Nolan. How would you describe that? Yeah, so a narcissistic person, and this doesn't necessarily mean they have narcissistic personality disorder, but it's someone who the whole world revolves around them. They're highly self-centered, very proud. And even when you bring some something up to them, they tend to make it about themselves. So if you said, hey, that really hurt my feelings, they would come back to you like, why are you so insensitive? Mm -hmm. And so they're just a self-absorbed person and everything has to be about them. Even if it's about you, it has to be about them. Got you. And I think, like you said, it's important to know it's a personality disorder is different and and much more intense. Um, Mm -hmm. So number two, um, the second one is unreliable Uma. Yes, and apologies to Uma Thurman. I'm sure she's very nice and very reliable, but uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of use. Yeah, well, not a lot of you names. Ulysses, maybe. Um, so yeah. unreliable Uma is is a fair weather friend. So it's that person that you have poured your life into. I just uh, had a conversation with a friend who had this exact thing happen where she helped this person in so many different ways. And the one time she had a need this person said, well, I have something else I need to do. And so mm. these are those people who just kind of turn their, you, you, you know, turn upside down and backwards for that person. But when you have a need, they won't, they won't reciprocate. And that's a painful discovery. And usually we don't discover it until we actually have that need. And then it's super sad. And then it gets yeah. confirmed if we continue to have needs and they're not met at all or met with indifference. And what about Predator Page? Predator Page is probably one of the worst of the deadly friendships because this is someone who preys upon the innocent. And um, this can be someone who is like a sexual abuser, but it also can be um, a friend who uh, just harms you with their words. And you leave their presence and you feel like you have have this vague sense of sadness or discouragement or 
why can't I ever amount to anything, that kind of thing. And it's hard to figure it out. Once you're outside of that relationship, it's easier to discern, but in the middle of it, it's almost impossible to figure out, wow, this person's predatory. Yeah. Are they likely to like um, do blame shifting? Like you feel like it's, or maybe that's the narcissist one, but I'm thinking of like you, when you said you can't really see it when you're in it is, do you end up feeling like it's you? Oh yes. And of course it's important to note. Yes. And predator page and narcissist Nolan has some similar tendencies. So you're right on your discernment there, but the predator doesn't present themselves as a creep in a white van. Um, Mm. And if a predator presented themselves as they actually are, you would not want to be their friend. And so there's a lot of uh, sleight of hand and you're right. Um, There's a lot of crazy making and um, gaslighting. So they may say things like, you know, they, they may change their mind like 20 different times. And you're, you would say something like, well, you told me yesterday this. And they would say, I never said that. I have no idea what you're talking about. And it's so it's can be very crazy making in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some of those in my life, too. Um, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> uh, number four, the fourth one is Conman Connor. So this is a friend. And, you know, my husband and I actually experienced a con man. We sold our home to a con man before we went to France as missionaries. And we found him through church, through the global prayer meeting at our church, which is sad. Yeah. Yeah. And so we lost everything. We lost our home. We lost our credit. We went into foreclosure. It was terrible. So we actually had a con man, Connor. But I also in the book talk about that this is not just about that creepy con man or people featured on American Greed. Um, These are people also that only love you for your economics. Mm. And so this could be the person that you haven't heard from in 15 years and suddenly friends you on Facebook and then wants to sell you their awesome essential oil. Mm -hmm. And so that's when someone loves you only for the thing that you economically can give to them. If that makes sense. It does. And in this age, it's it's happens so easily um, just with especially, you know, when people have online businesses and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's a good thing to point out. Um, the fifth one, Tempter Trevor. So Tempter Trevor is someone um, think back in high school when you had that peer pressure talk with your parents. It's that person. But I guess we kind of think that, oh, there's no peer pressure once I leave high school. But that's not true. Tempter Trevor is someone who pushes you to violate your conscience. And they do it often in subtle ways. Um, but they're pretty uh continual in their their pressure. And these are people who maybe don't have a biblical worldview and they continue to um, try to pressure you to let go of your biblical worldview. What about Faker Fiona? Faker Fiona thrives in today's world, especially on social media. So um, they will, you can have a conversation with Faker Fiona And she can agree with you about whatever opinion it is that you're talking about. And you're thinking, gosh, she and I have the exact same opinion about this. This is cool. And then she might show up on Facebook um, talking about the exact opposite opinion with just as much zeal. And so these are people who kind of they have the ability to morph into whatever you need them to be. And they're um, very strong at situational ethics. So whatever situation they're in, they will. they will camouflage themselves based on what they perceive people want them to be. So they're, they're very hard to 
understand. And it's hard to know who they really are. They have a facade that they've created and you have, you become friends with the facade, but you don't really know who it is underneath. Yeah. Uh, Last one, Dramatic Drake. So this is the drama kings and drama queens of the world. And these are folks that thrive. They absolutely thrive with drama. In fact, if there's no drama in their life, they will suck you in and try to make more drama and create it because that's just the way that they want to be. And the only way to really not be in their drama is to really make a clear boundary that you don't want to be a part of that drama. Wow. And how do you do that? (laughs) Good question. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I have um, a friend who's walking through this with another friend right now, and she's just had to learn to be really blunt with love, but blunt and say, I am not going to participate in that. That's not true. And I'm, I'm not gonna, if you keep talking this way, I'm going to end the conversation. And so there are ways to do it, but after a while we get pretty frustrated and, and um, those conversations can be a little more curt, I think, but after a while you just have to say enough is enough. So how can we discover what type of toxic relationship we might be in? Well, there is a really um, free and handy dandy quiz that people can get on sevendeadlyfriendships.com. And uh, you take the quiz, I think it's nine questions, it's super fast. And you take the quiz with one person in mind, not like your seven deadly friends, but just one. (laughs) And at the end, it will spit out a result for you. And that will help you to discern okay, I'm probably dealing with a narcissistic person now. And it gives you a little bit more intel into that personality type and um, helps you to kind of move forward. That's awesome. Yeah. And so what is the website for that again? Sevendeadlyfriendships.com. Okay, good. Well, which one, in your opinion, and this might be, you know, a filter depending on what you've gone through, but which one do you find can be the most painful to get over? Yeah, I think for me, it's been the predatory relationships. um, Because like I said before, I think there's some trauma involved in um, having those relationships. So um, I think about one friendship from a long time ago that I'm still hurting from. And some of the words spoken over me were so awful And I think that's something we also have to remember um, when we're talking about friendship is we have to be very cautious with our words with other people, because as we know through research, um, it's that verbal abuse that stays Mm -hmm. with us more than if your friend punched you in the face like that, you could walk away from and go, boy, yeah, that really hurts. And now I have a bruise, but it goes away. But the words that are spoken over you do not go away. And that's where you have to learn to take every thought captive and to not internalize those as truth. Now, of course, we're supposed to listen to what people say. And if a lot of people are saying the same thing about you, then maybe you have a problem and you need to work on it. And in partner with the Holy Spirit and maybe another close friend, you need to like work through that issue. But if it's a one-off and this person is just, doing this to hurt you, you really need to reevaluate that in light of what scripture says about you. That's such a good point. I think um, that's why it's important to know scripture, because we have to be able to say, you know, that's not true about me. 
and to really rewire our brains to, you know, as to become the mind of Christ, right? Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm so sad that these days, and I find it as I teach and as I talk to people, I'm so sad that people are really biblically illiterate. And it's, mm-hmm. it's super unfortunate. And we really need to repent of that and spend time in the Word of God to immerse ourselves, to be thirsty for it, to hunger for it, and to spend large periods of time in it to saturate our minds with it. Because if we don't, we will be caught off guard by these kinds of things that are spoken over us. Yeah. And so in your book, how are there any other ways that you help a reader work through this kind of thing? I know that it's filled with scripture, so. Yeah, the fun thing is um, I do a show called the Pray Every Day Show. It's a podcast. It's a daily podcast, and I pray mm-hmm. for people for about five minutes based on scripture. So the next couple months, we're going through every scripture from the seven deadly friendships. And I realize, oh, my gosh, there's over 100 scriptures in <laughs> the book. So, yes, it's saturated with scripture. Um, but uh, at, the, at the end of the book is really where the, the gold is in terms of um, what the teaching is to make it through these relationships. And so I look at the life of Joseph, um, as I mentioned, in Genesis and then Jesus. And then we look at um, how they deal, dealt with these kind of difficult friendships, which they have had all of them. And then the last chapter is about the seven life-giving practices. So I want to end, you know, that the book on, okay, yes, this happened. Yes, these people are around. Yes, it's hurtful. But boy, I don't want you to isolate forever because we'll never grow in isolation. Instead, I want to help people move on after pain. That's so good because it doesn't mean it's not going to happen again, but if we can learn to move on in a healthy way, then we're more prepared, like you said, to not follow that pattern again. And if we do end up in a relationship, we might discern it earlier so that we're not, right. you know, we learn from our mistakes, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, one of the things that I had said in the introduction, and I I imagine like we've been focusing on other people so much during this, <laughs> but we can probably all relate to having been one of these seven deadly, uh, you know, relationships or uh, friendships at some point. So are you willing to share with us which one you've most identified with? <laughs> Such I'm a, like, totally willing to. Totally putting yeah, you on the spot. It's <laughs> totally fine. Um, yeah, before I say that, I, I would love to just, you know, recommend that we not read this book with everybody else in mind. <laughs> right. And that can, that's the trap. It's like, oh, let's talk about all those bad people out there and then never look in the mirror. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I have struggled with, um, with being dramatic and with, uh, I'm a good storyteller. uh, That's part of my job as a novelist is to tell good stories. And so there can be that flair for the dramatic in there. And I've really had to work through, you know, how I've been dramatic in the past and how I've Mm -hmm. created drama. And a part of that is when you grow up in chaos and that's your normal, then Mm -hmm. you feel really freaked out if everything's okay. And then you start sabotaging. And so I've had to learn that it's okay to be normal and it's okay to not discord in your life and that's actually all right. So I'm learning to embrace that. That's so good. So what did you learn for yourself about what it means to be a really good friend as you wrote this book? 
The thing that I really, that really stuck out to me is, first of all, the Bible is a really for relationships and it gives us so much wisdom and advice about how to be. And then second, I would say that um, I learned the importance again of being in the moment with someone Mm -hmm. to get off my devices and to be face to face with a friend and that real friends will tell you the truth in love, not with like a caustic air about them or a self-righteousness, but a kindness and how deeply I value the friends that God has given me who are willing to say those hard things and Mm. who will receive the hard things from me um, all in the spirit of kindness and love and truth. And, you know, I also realized I don't have to politically or, you know, um, (laughs) opinion-y be aligned with someone to be their friend. And I think Mm. that that's kind of a beautiful picture that we can give people of the body of Christ is if we have friends who differ from us, even theologically, um, it shows the love of Christ for me to be able to agree to disagree. But in this world, that is so rare because we feel like if we have a, if someone has a different opinion than us, then suddenly that means that we aren't worthy anymore, which is not true. And, or they're not worthy because they have the wrong opinion (laughs) and to work through that and to be able to have friendships with different opinions is just so beautiful, I think. And it's a really great example to other people. That's so wise. And, you know, when I'm thinking about like when we're in family, like some families separate, but other ones, like you just have to keep pressing on because you, you do life with them. Right. Right. I mean, especially if they're like your children or your husband or, you know, like your mom or your dad. I mean, these are like people that are in your circle. And that's something else that's interesting about the book to learn is that these seven deadly friendships can also be part of your family. And we see that in the life of Joseph. We have his brothers who, you know, forsake him and throw him in a pit and sell him to traders. And, you know, that's not exactly a healthy relationship going on there. And he certainly was betrayed. That was a familial one. And I think that's where a lot of the rubber meets the road in our Christianity is how do we have those kinds of friendships or relationships, even with our own family? Yeah. So do you offer principles in the book to help people work through that kind of thing? Yes. And that's toward the end of the book, um, just walking through those life-giving practices of how do you have good relationships? And like you've said, you know, how to examine yourself, how to look in the mirror and say, well, what have I done to contribute to the demise of this relationship? Or how can I do better? Um, Self-examination is really important. Absolutely. That's so good. Well, what do you hope the reader is going, what do you hope for the reader to think and feel after reading this whole book? How do, what's your dream for them and how to be different in their lives? For me, it's that they would have hope and peace and a good roadmap of how to go forward and encouragement and um, just that settledness of knowing they are worth loving And that perhaps some of the intel that they gain from the book will help them to choose better next time, to have better discernment, and what does it mean to create good boundaries around relationships that are destructive. Um, Because ultimately, if we continue in destructive relationships, 
for, you know, ad infinitum forever, our souls are going to get crushed. And we are the sum of our closest relationships. And if our closest relationships are only tearing us down, then we will be bent under the weight of that. And so my heart is to lift that burden, to, to cause clarity and um, to help people to see maybe where they need to make some choices. And the choices aren't always to walk away, right? Mm-mm. Like sometimes no. the choice is to, just because we've identified the seven deadly friendships doesn't mean that you write all these people off. No. In most of the cases, I would say not to. There are some cases where it is so devastating to you um, that you have to walk away for your health. And um, that's absolutely important. But I'd also say I think some people are afraid to create a boundary because they think, well, then that means it's the end of everything. Mm. But there is there's some really cool things that can happen with a boundary. And I've seen it in some friendships where I've had to create some pretty strong boundaries. And I thought, well, that's it. That's the end of that friendship. It's never going to happen. But uh, there has been reconciliation. And the other thing to remember is sometimes you need to disconnect from someone because they continually hurt you. And you're not really loving them well by allowing them to have that behavior. Like that's not Mm -hmm. loving. If you want the best for them, you don't want them to be a bully. And so for right. by being bullied, you're enabling them to be a bully and that's not their best. But also for you to reconcile with that person, you can't stay in a relationship forever because you continually get hurt and pretty much um, devastated. Your separation is actually an act of healing because then you can move away from the relationship. You can heal from it, see it better, have better discernment. And then you actually provide the opportunity that there could be reconciliation in the future versus if you stay in that relationship and continually get hurt, pretty much it's just going to (laughs) explode or you're going to explode. So um, separating for for the sake of healing is actually a really redemptive act. And it's a way to love yourself, which is just as important, like you said. Yep. Yeah. Wow. There's so much good stuff in this book. So I I really encourage everyone to go get the book, The Seven Deadly Friendships with Mary DeMuth. And you can find it on Amazon. I'm I'm assuming, Mary, everywhere books are sold, right? Yes. Yes. And if they want to learn just more about you and your ministry, and um, I know that you're also a speaker and you have other books, they can find out more about you where? At marydemuth.com, and they can take their quiz at sevendeadlyfriendships.com. And then my daily prayer for you podcast. So if your listeners want to just know that someone in the world, <laughs> big, big, huge, wide world is praying for them, it's show. Oh, that would be great. You know, speaking of prayer, would you, um, I just kind of feel like it'd be really sweet if you just prayed a blessing over people that are in the process of, you know, discovering or healing from um, one of the seven deadly friendships. Great. I'd be happy to. Jesus, thank you for this moment where we can talk about things that are tender and things that are difficult. And I pray for that person listening right now who has identified a broken relationship, whether it be a friendship or a marriage or a family relationship. And and Lord, they're just struggling. They're having a hard time and they don't know what is next. I pray that you would give them through your Holy Spirit discernment about what the next step is. I pray that you would shed your light on us so that we could look into the mirror and find out what we're doing to contribute to negative relationships. And I pray for hope to reign and not for despair. 
and for joy to return. And I pray for um, the ability for each of us to choose wisely our friends. Give us that discernment that we so much long for and need. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary, so much for being on the podcast today. I am really sure you're going to bless so many people with this book. Well, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Awesome. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there's a couple of things that I would love for you to do. Number one, would you subscribe to the show? That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed and be ready whenever you are. And second, if the ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help me continue to reach others, please leave a review. Those help so much. And also, you can click on the link in the description and you can give financially to support the show now. The whole ministry is run on donations. I so appreciate it. So again, thank you for listening to the podcast today. You can find out more from Mary DeMuth and the seven deadly friendships and relationships when you go to jillmonaco.com slash episode 35 and visit the pod or you can visit the podcast page. Just click on the show notes and you will find all the links that we mentioned today. Well, thanks again for tuning in today, my friends. And remember, love well, you were made for it.